HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported podcast network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. This year, we're celebrating 10 years of food radio. For the past decade, we've been taking you behind the scenes of farms, restaurants, breweries, school cafeterias, and more. It's been 10 years, and we're just getting started. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org. Today's program is brought to you by Corin, a supplier of Japanese chef knives and restaurant supplies. For more information, visit corin.com. Hello, welcome to Japanese. I'm your host, Aki Kotema, a food writer and the director of the New York Japanese Culinary Academy, which promotes a deeper understanding of Japanese cuisine in America. We are broadcast live from our studio at Roberta's in Bushwick, Brooklyn. This show is all about Japanese food and food culture. We see sushi at every day in the supermarket, but what is beyond sushi? We hear dashi ramen izakaya, but what exactly are they? Japanese uh, food is so mystery for many people, so I'll try to demystify it in this program with my cool guests. And my guest today is Irina Yoshida of Yoshida Restaurant Group in New York. Irina's father, Tony Yoshida, is a quintessential figure when you talk about Japanese food culture in New York. Uh, he owns and operates multiple Japanese restaurants and groceries, including uh, legendary Kyoya Sunrise Mart and Angel Share. And uh, Irina is uh, supporting him as the CEO of the company. So today we'll discuss how Irina's father started the business, the unique concept of the brands they operate, Irina's upbringing as a Japanese-American, and their new project Japan Village in Industry City, and much, much more. But before we start, Japan is available on Heritage Radio Network website, as well as on iTunes, Stitch, and Spotify as a podcast. So please go to iTunes, Stitch, and Spotify and subscribe to Japan Eats. And please write a review. We really appreciate your feedback. And also, if you have any ideas about the topics of the show or show guests, please let us know. You can email us at japaneeds at heritageradionetwork.org or kikokatema.com. Now let's start a conversation with Irina Yoshida. Hello, Irina. Welcome. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. So this is exciting. Um, so, you know, your father is a real legend in this country, in New York City culture, everything. So I really thank him for building such a great city. So um, so you're born and raised in New York in a very uh, food-rich environment. So what did you eat when you grew up? Um, I, I definitely did eat Japanese breakfast growing up. My mother would uh, make Japanese food. Um, also, during summers, I would always go back to Japan visit my grandparents, um, and I would always eat Japanese food there as well. Mm. Um, but I would say it was a mix. I wouldn't have, like, breakfast, cereal for breakfast, mm. um, something really quick and easy. Right. Um, so but when you say Japanese breakfast, I think it's a key question. What, what was on the plate? Definitely grilled fish, um, also white rice, pickles, and miso soup. Mm, that's called Ichiju Sansai. <laughs> That's like a really um, the key principle of Japanese health. Yes. Right? So one soup and three dishes. Yes. And, and always rice and pickles. Yes. And also natto. I love natto. So Ooh. I always had natto growing up. Oh, well, that's a <laughs> bomb keyword. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we had a natto guest before, but that's uh, really known for boosting your health. Mm. Not just like people think it's gooey and 
sticky, but I think there is a, a kind of a chemical called the pyrazine mm, that creates okay. the smell of coffee and chocolate. Mm. So I, I have a specific brand that has a more pyrazine smell. Oh, really? Yeah. So what, what is that brand? Is that Japanese? Or? Uh, yeah, it's in Japanese. Oh, okay. Yeah. So maybe we can talk about natto <laughs> in another episode. <laughs> so anyway, so... Um, so as a Japanese-American grew up in New York and surrounded by the rich Japanese culture, how do you see yourself? Like, uh, more American, more Japanese? I definitely am more American. Um, I believe that I am an old soul, though. Um, a lot of my friends, um, even my relatives, think I'm an old Japanese man. <laughs> um, I think... That might be associated with um, my relationship with my grandfather. And uh, it really evolved um, with food. Whenever I went to Japan over summer vacations, I would always eat dried sardines, uh, ume, Japanese mm. pickled plum, um, also soramame, especially mm. over the summer. Um, so all those types of food and snacks always went well with sake or shochu, which my grandfather loved. So mm. um, I think I, I definitely am an old Japanese uh, soul, for mm. sure, at heart. I do think maybe because you appreciate that kind of classic old culture because you are away from the original country. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I, I, I always looked forward to going back to Japan over the summer. That was always how I spent my summer vacations as well. Um, but coming here, um, that really wasn't as available when I was much, much younger. So um, I think with that said, my father's uh, restaurants would always have some sort of Japanese ingredient that I was very familiar with whenever I went back to Japan. Mm. So it was nice to see that connection I, here. I think your position is very uh, unique and uh, kind of, to me, very important from now on, especially because you know really the depths of Japanese food culture and this market in America that you grew up in. So you have the strong bridge, like really strong, mm-hmm. you know, kind of like um, you can't see the Japanese culture from both sides. Mm-hmm. And there are not so many people doing it. Right. I mean, there's definitely so many experts out there, though, um, that have so much knowledge. And I always feel like I'm learning so much more from them whenever I meet them. Um, you know, let's say at a sake event, I'm, I'm learning a lot about sake through them as well. So um, it's nice that the community and um, just the strong interest that there is in terms of Japanese culture and food has been just growing and growing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's nice that it is a very small and tight knit community. In right. mm, and I think your generations, there's a the second generation of Japanese food business people. Yes, for right. sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there's, there's many of us actually. Uh, and I heard, uh, did you go to Hoshiko? That's like the, I did. Yes. So I, I did go to um, a place called Enna. Uh, sorry. Um, Ikue, but before that, I went to, um, yes, Hoshugo. Mm, that's called a supplementary school for, um, uh, you know, American kids with some Japanese relationship yes. to educate Japanese culture and then all those things, yes, right? every Saturday. So I remember growing up, um, you know, when my friends from American school um, had a day off, went to the park or movies, I would always have to go to school on Saturdays. But <laughs> looking back, it, I, I'm very grateful that my parents uh, sent me to Japanese school. Mm-hmm. And you made friends that you said it's a community. Of- I did. I did make friends. It really was a tight-knit community. Um, you know, I think we're all doing different things at the moment, um, but it's we, we all are, you know, in touch through mm-hmm. social media and whatnot. So. Right. That's very good and hopeful to me. Yes. Yeah. I, I spoke to, I think, a couple of them and... Uh, they have the same idea of this very uh, niche mm-hmm. concept of being Japanese-American. Yes, definitely. Yeah, in New York. Mm-hmm. Right. All right. So um, so as I said in the introduction, you're a daughter of the one of the founding fathers of the Japanese food culture in the U.S. So uh, before we get into what you do, let's talk about your father, mm-hmm. Tony Yoshida. Uh, your real name is Tadao Yoshida-san. Mm-hmm. And uh, where is he from and uh, when and why did he come to the States? Um, so he actually was born in Niigata, mm. in the West Coast, um, but grew up um, probably when he was six months old, moved to Yokohama. Mm. So Yokohama was one of the first international harbors right. or ports that opened up in Japan. 
Um, and that is where he was really exposed to Western culture. Uh, there were certain um, American clubs, per se, mm. uh, where he was able to try different classic cocktails that came from the U.S. Wow. Um, but I think through meeting people there, he was very influenced um, by really having a lot of freedom. Um, he really wanted the American dream. And I think um, the more he spoke to all these individuals that were not from Japan, the more he you know, was determined to really mm. um, go to New York and uh, make it there. So that's what he did. Um, he went to New York in 
um, you don't think of uh, St. Mark's without Japanese, or the Japanese. So that's crazy. Um, okay, and uh, do you know what challenges he faced, your father faced? Um, I think definitely at that time, I mean, he was challenging himself. So I think it was alert, a huge learning experience for him to see how he could make it with not understanding English, um, really not bringing anything with him, not knowing anyone. Mm. Um, but fortunately for him, there was a small Japanese community of uh, professional wrestlers, I believe, um, from like the New York Athletic Club. So he became friends with them and uh, really helped him out in the sense of, you know, making sure that they were there for each other mm -hmm. um, and kind of made a community of their own. Um, but also with that said, there was, during that time, there was a lot of racial tension and um, a lot of riots as well. Um, mm. So I think just to experience that, um, to be there at that time, you really had to have big guts. Like mm. you really had to, it was almost a survival. Right. Yeah, I think uh, Japanese food is now kind of like very, um, you know, very thriving, good image mm. food. But back then it was just a, one of the ethnic foods, mm -hmm. right? And I think uh, Nobu in 80s started to be more, you know, introduced high-end Japanese, yes. but until then, that was more kind of unknown, yes. mysterious, even more mysterious than now. Yes, <laughs> kind definitely. Of, right. Okay, so now uh, let's talk about your food, uh, your responsibility. Um, so what, what do you do? <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm an operating officer, so I, I do work closely with my father and my brother, who's also um, part of the family business. Um, we Right now, I'm definitely concentrating a lot in Japan Village. Um, I do a lot of operations in the back end, making sure everything is um, going well with our staff, the training, um, as well as menus. Mm. Um, also coordinating a lot in terms of whether it be events or um, uh, vendors from Japan even that mm. do want to um, kind of have a connection out in Japan Village to right. um, introduce their products. So sounds like you have like hundreds of responsibilities. <laughs> um, yeah, we're going to talk about the each concept later. But um, so, how did you did you know you're going to kind of help you or join a company and help you that? I definitely um, grew up in this industry. I would always go into construction sites with him. Um, I was always wearing a hard hat. <laughs> um, I would always eat at his places as well mm. um, whether it be breakfast or you know dinner or um something um but I did definitely want to do and find something on my own as well before um I joined the family business so mm. I did go into cosmetic corporation um I was also working for a fashion designer um a museum and an interior designer that also did um, restaurant bar design. Mm. So I, I think all those um, experiences that I had, I was able to apply to my family business um, mm. in, in some sense. And it was also very eye-opening to me. Mm. Um, but it was always in the back of my head. Um, it definitely was about timing. Um, so I was um, always curious about when I should join. Um, but I think at the right time when I was working at a corporation. Mm. Um, I didn't really have that passion um, with the corporation I was working in, so I decided to mm. try it out. Um, I did do a lot of administrative work um, growing up all, as well from high school, um, mm. but this time I was actually able to focus 100%. Right, more managing. Yes. Right. Yeah, it's interesting. Well, by the way, I, I can see you always dress so well, and I knew you were in the visual part of this whole you know, the business world. Yeah, so, but I think, um, like, for instance, uh, I know some Sakagura, you know, Sakaburi mm -hmm. peop uh, people the succeeding old business, mm -hmm. but they experienced kind of global corporations and see, learn marketing or advertising, and they bring in a whole different view mm -hmm. to the classic tradition, and uh, they're now thriving. So, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, I think that's... Great. And you, you have to make sure that you didn't like the corporation right <laughs> <laughs> it's important they're a great corporation it right. just wasn't yeah yeah right but me. the right place you can feel comfortable yes. right yeah i exactly know how you feel 
yeah, you can do or you, you may enjoy, but it's no, your soul is not there. Right. Right. Okay. Um, all right. So, um, so how do you, you say your brother is working also. So yes. isn't it hard to have, you know, family members and. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> to be honest. Um, yeah, it was, it was difficult at the beginning, um, but we actually didn't have too much overlap. Um, he did more of Sunrise Mart. I did more of the restaurant and bar aspect in terms of operating um, in the back end. So there was not too much overlap. Um, however, with Japan Village, we were able to overlap. Mm. We always see each other every single day, whether <laughs> we like to or not. Um, but it's been great. We have been able to see our pros and cons of each other and been able to utilize that for mm. our benefits. So it's been really good. Right. Um, he's definitely my partner. So mm. is he older, younger? He's younger actually, yeah. but not by a lot. He's a year younger than me. Oh wow! Yeah. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, and I think you know, there's a family business. Good part is you can trust, hundred mm-hmm. percent. Yes, for sure. Right. And yeah, I trust him obviously mm. since he's my brother. So. Right. And you knew each other from long yes. time ago. Very long time. <laughs> <laughs> Right. All right. So let's take a quick break here. And then when we come back, we'll discuss the unique concept of uh, legendary shops and restaurants by uh, Yoshida Restaurant Group. So please stay with us. Today's program is brought to you by Corin, a supplier of Japanese chef knives and restaurant supplies. Corin is proud of their Japanese culture and traditions, but they want you to know that their products are not just for Japanese restaurants. Their knives and tableware bring out the best qualities of food from every culture and fit into every restaurant, from French to Pan-Asian to American, and that is why they are located in New York City, where people from every country in the world come to eat. Corin's Tribeca showroom is home to the most extensive collection of Japanese chef knives in the world, including Japan. Stop by to view the exquisitely designed tableware and the wireless natural sharpening stones. They have a whole range of knife services, from repair and rust removal to reshaping and realigning. Corin is dedicated to this ideal, bringing the highest quality Japanese design to your table so you can experience the unparalleled quality of Japanese craftsmanship in your home or restaurant. For more information, visit corin.com. Are you enjoying this podcast? Heritage Radio Network has plenty more. My name is Korsha Wilson, and I'm the host of A Hungry Society here on HRN. A Hungry Society focuses on highlighting dope people doing amazing work in food, and we talk about how we can make the culinary world a more diverse and inclusive space. You can join the conversation by checking out A Hungry Society wherever you listen to podcasts and on heritageradionetwork.org. Welcome back. You're listening to Japanese broadcasting live from a studio in Bushwick, Brooklyn. I'm your host, Aki Katayama, and my guest today is Irina Yoshida, the CEO of Yoshida Restaurant Group in New York, which operates multiple food rest- establishments, including Legendary Sunlight Mall, um, the Angel Share, and Goya. So let's talk about the concept of some of the legendary <laughs> places that you, your family operates. So, um, so first of all, I think whoever is interested in um, Japanese food mm-hmm. in New York. I'm sure they stepped into Sunrise Mart. Mm-hmm. So what is the concept of uh, Sunrise Mart? When did it open? Um, so Sunrise Mart in the East Village opened in 1995. Mm. Um, it was actually the same um, year as the one in Soho as well. And the concept was to specialize in all types of Japanese ingredients. Um, so not just one type of uh, product for the ingredient, but having an array, um, an assortment of different varieties uh, to cater to different types of people. Right. Well, that's why I spend way too much time at the, the <laughs> restaurant. Once I go in, let's just pick one thing and end up spending right. like half an hour. Yep. But yeah, so we want to introduce, uh, my father wants to introduce all the Japanese produce, uh, fresh produce as well. Um, but also we wanted to um, include household goods, mm. uh, which is also available in the East Village location. Right. And that was really the almost the only place I could find uh, fish, that sashimi 
uh, great yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> so yeah that's a really interesting and then not just um you know those food but some like you know whisk for tea ceremony and mm-hmm. so many different things to experience japanese culture definitely and i think also he wanted a place for the japanese community to be able to feel like they were back in japan mm. and be able to prepare all these japanese home-cooked meals so that's the reason why he wanted to open one in the east village first mm. um and then from there um the clientele it really did start changing it was people that really um started to get um very interested into japanese food um chefs as well so i think just um the culinary uh changes that have been happening throughout mm. the past years um it really um made the clientele also very happy to be able to find rare ingredients in sunrise mart right a couple of times i was asked to uh, you know who then industry professionals to have a tour at sunrise mart because oh, it's yeah it's like there's so many things and where do you think personally which one do you like, like right uh, <laughs> it's, it's, i can't decide so <laughs> Yeah, so that's a really a good place. Uh, so you have now three Sunrise Mart locations? We currently have four. Four. Um, the most recent one being um, inside Japan Village in okay. Industry City. Right. So we have one in the East Village, uh, one in Soho, and one in Midtown East. Mm. Right. Okay. And uh, so another one that's interesting is an Angel Share, which is totally influential cocktail bar and uh, influenced many American partners, actually. And uh, Shingoku Gan was uh, the former head partner of Angel's mm-hmm. Share, was named the best partner of the world in 2012, mm-hmm. and came to the show on episode 54 and talked about his amazing experience at Angel's Share. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so so when did it open, and uh, what is the concept of Angel's Share? My father opened Angel's Share in 1993, so we just celebrated our 26 years of being open. Ah, congratulations. Thank you. Um, and he really wanted to um, bring what he saw in Japan. He was a little bit surprised because in terms of cocktail making, Japan, these bars that he went to, it was always the classic way mm. that the U.S. used to make the c- classic cocktails. Right. So. Um, you know, stirring, shaking, using jiggers, uh, making sure all the cocktails were um, consistent. Mm. Um, consistency was very important. So when he came to New York, he was very surprised because a lot of it was like the movie cocktails by Tom, with Tom Cruise in it. It was mm. all free pouring, <laughs> you know, neon colored cocktails. So I think he was like a little bit taken aback. He thought New York would have more of the classic cocktail scene that he saw in Japan, um, but he did not. So it was always in the back of his head that he did want to bring this type of style mm. um, to New York um, as, you know, when he was here. But um, he was finally able to open one in 1993 mm. and to be able to make your own ice, use jiggers, um, and make your own infused syrups and house-made juices as well for the cocktails. So mm. um, that's kind of the concept. It was a concept that was in the U.S., right. which was brought to Japan, but then he tried to bring it back here. Mm. So. Right. So the cocktail making techniques as well as you know the details paying attention to like super details too and i heard um you know the equipments mm-hmm. you know those tools are very unique yes so people like um the greg Baum who came to the show with a cut and the kitten yes. episode he has a cocktail kingdom yes. and i think he sells and also like custom make yes japanese definitely. style yeah we we uh utilize the the tools that cocktail kingdom also mm. um has um but yeah it's been it's been really um great how the cocktail scene itself has just changed and flourished over the past years mm. um and it is normal now to have your own ice and to make you know uh, your own infused syrups and juices and mm. um i think with angel share um you know the terminology ichigo ichie is mm. so it's the first time and last time you may see that customer in front of you. So it has always been very, um, a very um, specific type of art form, mm. very similar to a Japanese tea ceremony um, where you don't really converse too much with the 
client that's in front of you, but you concentrate mm. um, with precision um, to make sure that the cocktail is the best one that they will have because you will never know when you'll see that person again. Mm. Right. So that's Ichigo Ichi. Right. Well, that's interesting, right? That the cocktail culture in America in the, it really like, represent the concept of Ichigo Ichi, which I think is really underlying concept mm-hmm. in whole Japanese society. Yes. Right. So, yeah, but again, I think Angel Share um, has played a platform for, you know, the classic cocktail culture, how it can be mm-hmm. um, detailed. And, uh, you know, there's another word, omotenashi. Yes. Yeah, it's like a hospitality without expecting any service. Yes, definitely. So, yeah, I think um, it's still, the whole essence never changes. Mm -hmm. So I'm so proud to have that and just share in New York. Thank you. Um, Okay, so another, one of my favorite is Kyoya. So when did Kyoya open and what is the concept of Kyoya? Um, Kyoya opened in 2007, so the concept was to utilize uh, local and Japanese ingredients. Mm-hmm. That's a um, kaiseki. Kaiseki, yes, kaiseki cuisine. Um, so it was very about seasonal. Um, I would say it's a little bit similar to farm to table as well because they're able to source all these different types of ingredients from different vendors and uh, people and farmers as well mm. um, and create some sort of uh, dish that has um, Japanese flavors and profiles. Mm. Right. And uh, restaurants have tables as well as, you know, back, far back, yes. there's, uh, you know, the tatami mat yes. seating as well as the counter seating. Yes. Yeah. It's, uh, it's like a well, kaiseki, but it's a couple, which is a concept of chef takes... You know, it takes care of you, depending yes. on what you feel like eating tonight. Yes, definitely. Right. Um, and I feel like, especially in the space that you're in, um, even the wood as well was um, brought from Japan. Um, and there's different elements of that, too. So when you're kind of in there, you do feel like you're not in New York City, mm. um, especially since it's kind of tucked away on the lower level. Right. Which is nice. Yeah, well. when I have <laughs> dinner, then I go step out, like, where am I? <laughs> That's the feeling. Yeah, well, that's great. And uh, so, um, of course, I have to talk about Japan Village, which opened uh, in the industry city in November 2018. So uh, first, for our listeners who have no idea about what the industry city is, Mm -hmm. what is it? Industry city um, is a a converted warehouses um, along the Brooklyn waterfront in Sunset Park. Um, It's... Uh, the closest station is 36th Street. Um, you could get there in a D and R lines. Um, it is definitely a destination where they um, attract a lot of creative and design offices, um, as well as many um, bakeries, um, breweries as well, mm-hmm. um, that want space to be able to showcase and uh, create their product. And including Brooklyn Cura. Yes, Brooklyn Cura, we love. Um, they're right, literally um, very close to us. Um, <laughs> and they have great things on draft as well. You can see, um, yeah, you can even taste all the, the sake that is not even available in other places too, mm. which is great. Right. Yeah, I've been to uh, Industry City like every, I don't know, five, six months, and then they're growing. Yes, very definitely. Fast, solidly. Definitely. I think every single week, it, it feels like there's a different type of good energy that's just been increasing and increasing, mm-hmm. which is nice. Yeah, and it's so beautiful, too. And then there's some, like, eating space. Yes. And this beautiful view of the river and everything you have. Definitely. Right. And there's a lot of artworks as well from different um, independent artists mm. between that. Right. So, so what is Japan Village? Japan Village is a um, concept where we... Um, have a food hall with 11 eateries um, that is from ramen, uh, house-made udon soba, uh, rice bowls, um, Japanese wagyu steakhouse, sushi, um, all these things, plus um, Sunrise Mart, the specialty market mm. that we have. Um, and we also have a liquor shop that opened um, in the middle of April. Uh, which um, is called Kuraichi, mm. um, that specializes in not only sake, but we also have shochu and other um, hard liquors that are made in Japan. Mm. Um, right. So um, this whole concept of, you know, the 
like St. Mark's, mm. that's a great street to visit multiple Japanese food mm -hmm. establishment. But this is more like concentrated, kind of like an Italy of Japan version. Yes, I mean, it definitely is a smaller scale than Italy, um, but it, it's nice that our um, customers have also been um, people that have never been to Japan before, but they want to go to a destination and try different kinds of cuisines that pertain to Japan. Mm. Um, there's also people that have been to Japan before, and they also want to kind of be able to explore and try different things to bring back mm. memories that they had in Japan. <laughs> so it's nice that people do um, go there for a destination. Um, and it's also our first time that we have ever opened anything in Brooklyn. So to have a Brooklyn community mm -hmm. as well going there is really nice. Well, that's great because I think I live in Brooklyn, but surprisingly, there aren't so many Japanese-related mm. businesses. Right. So, yeah, I really appreciate that. Um, yeah, so what's the demographics of uh, customers? That, like half Japanese people or...? I would say it's... Um, Half Japanese. Um, there's definitely um, a very big Asian family um, clientele as well, um, but families for sure. Mm. And also people that live in Park Slope area, um, Fort Greene, downtown Brooklyn also come as well. Mm. Right. So by going there, you can just have like whole Japanese experience, eat and shop. Yes. And then as an extension, you have Brooklyn Quran and you can eat anything else yes definitely <laughs> it's definitely a good destination for um you know eating and drinking but also exploring and seeing all these different types of um, mm. shops inside industry city right okay and uh so you mentioned the kraichi so kraichi is interesting because you're focusing on japanese um beyond something japanese sake mm -hmm. right? and shochu i think is becoming popular we had a case about you know we've talked about shochu mm -hmm. um well the shochu is great and I think it's going to be a really big potential from now. But Japanese whiskey, if you drink cocktails, they're like, I think people fighting for Japanese right. whiskey in the market, bartenders really mm -hmm. try waiting for something to arrive and yes. it sells out quickly. Definitely. And I think other new things are Japanese gin, Japanese yes. vodka, yes. things um, like that coming in. Yeah, and we also have um, rum from Okinawa as well, mm. which a lot of people are not familiar with. Um, but uh, yeah, we have that at Kuraichi. So. Right. Well, the Japanese rum, well, that is important because Okinawa is famous for the special sugar. Yes. Right. So it's kind of a craft yep, product. It definitely is. Yeah. I think one, one key word about Japanese spirits, it tends to be more craft style. For sure, more much more so like small batch. Um, I think it's really also interesting that they're more and more um, beyond whiskey, um, different types of hard liquors coming out. Mm. Um, and it's also being utilized in not only um, Japanese style cocktail bars, but just cocktail bars in general. Mm. Right. So... Well, I haven't been there, so I have to be really there. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's hard to find um, concentrated Japanese uh, alcohol beverage store mm -hmm. like yours. I think that's the first one, right? In a way, beyond sake yeah, and shochu. Yeah, I think so, um, at least on the northeast coast. Right. Um, but I, I think people are very surprised by the fact that we have more things other than sake. Mm, right. Um, so Japan Village is a big project. Yes. <laughs> so uh, what is the biggest challenge or challenges? Um, I, I definitely would say space, um, for sure. We've never done anything as big of a scale. Um, I also think, um, you know, we, we also want it to be a destination spot, but there's also um, a little bit of expectations that a lot of people have as well. Um, mm -hmm. So we're always, you know, even right now, we're still finalizing and making sure the menu is 150% the way that we want it to be. So we're always testing out recipes. Mm. Um, we always want to introduce new things so it attracts different clientele as well. Um, or if someone came last weekend, maybe they might be able to see and explore something new this weekend. Mm. Right. So I'm curious, though, out of all those 11 vendors, which one sells most kind of food? Um, I would say um, the udon and soba noodles that we make in-house. Mm. Um, we do come up with different um, recipes and um, 
that changes like every other month as well. But mm. I think people are very surprised that everything's just made on the spot. I um, am surprised too. Fresh. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, and also, takoyaki is always popular, okonomiyaki as well. Mm. Can you talk quickly about takoyaki? What is takoyaki? Takoyaki is a flour battered ball, <laughs> per se. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, with um, a piece of octopus in it, um, mm. with um, ginger, scallion, um, with um, sweet okonomiyaki, takoyaki sauce on top. Mm. Um, usually it's otafuku, but right. otafuku sauce. Um, and it's always been such a popular street food, especially during um, summer festivals, per se. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a grab-and-go kind of food so right. um even kids love them too i think it's such a unique food right it's like you know by explaining like 30 seconds you have so many u- new words for right. you know japanese food i was like what, the f- what is that and then right. especially octopus doesn't come to as like fast snack or That's street true. food yeah but i think octopus is such a unique uh, uniquely precious japanese ingredient yes definitely right it's a very um and widely available in Japan, but cook, cooking octopus probably is very hard. Mm-hmm. And uh, for some reason, takoyaki is such a perfect food. Yes, yeah. it, it, it works really well. I, I love takoyaki. I feel like I have it every week. Yeah, <laughs> well, I think there's a texture contrast of yes. fluffiness and inside a little chewiness, but Definitely. not gummy at all. Yes, um, and we make ours a little bit crispy on the outside as well, so mm-hmm. you kind of have that little crunch yeah i want to eat it right yeah. now <laughs> right so that's interesting I, I didn't know that it was one of the most selling yeah items. no definitely yeah mm. so well it's worth visiting listeners to discover <laughs> takoyaki and everything else at japan village um okay so uh and i heard you went to japan recently yes i i went back um in april mm. actually um and i was only there for a week but i was able to go to shodoshima Mm. Um, and also uh, Kurashiki mm. as well. Um, it was great because I've never been to Shodoshima. Um, mm. I, Me neither. Yeah, it was it was beautiful. Mm. Well, was where, where is it and what kind of place is it? Um, it's an island off of uh, Okayama uh, prefecture. Um, it's also not too, too far away from Kobe as well, mm-hmm. um, but it is a remote island. Um, they're known, which I had no idea that Japan grew olives, Mm. So they're known for olives, their olive oil, um, but not only that, they're also knowing, known for producing soy sauce mm. as well as somen, okay. which is really interesting. Mm. So I was able to um, explore and walk around um, different various types of soy sauce factories um, that dated back from 400 years ago. Mm. And also the streets just the aroma it's all like fermented soybean smell wow. in the air um so that was a really educational experience interesting by the way i heard um there is a farm um uh raising you know the beef basically and their yes. feed yes it's the olive yes like olive pork. fed wa- right. yes <laughs> very tasty right yes it, it definitely was marvelized i i feel that there definitely is a hint of olive Mm. um oil but um yeah we i was able to try that as well there mm. um and yeah somen was great it's a perfect summer dish because it's so light and thin mm-hmm. um i just had no idea that it was um something that's not produced during the warmer weathers mm. because the need to dry out in the air right so the listeners the somen is like thinner very unsilky thin yes. noodles and usually chilled yes correct yes with ice cubes, actually. Yes, yes yeah. definitely. And it's a great summer dish, yeah. especially right now. It'd be great. <laughs> right. So, and then we went to Kurashiki. Yes, Kurashiki. That was um, also um, my first time there, actually. Um, I, I didn't know that I had so much family history there as well. Wow. Um, so my mother, um, she's actually a modern dancer and choreographer. Wow. Yeah, and she still performs to this day um, in Japan, but... Um, I, I went with her and my grandmother, um, and uh, one of my great uncles was one of the, um, I guess, uh, founders of uh, Kura, Kurabo, which produced a lot of different types of fabrics that mm. helped flourish Kurashiki right. as it is right now. But it was interesting because um, there were a few founders, but 
in the portrait photo, he was the only one wearing Western wear, <laughs> uh, which is really interesting. Um, but yeah, it was definitely a really great educational trip. But I always, you know, crave learning something new whenever I go back to Japan. So、mm-hmm. hopefully, I can visit other prefectures. Right. Well, that's interesting, right? Because now you decided to really be fully devote yourself in this you、yes. know, Japanese food culture. So, what's the inspiration like? You know, did you find anything like? As not just not related to food, but right. I think I,、um, I, I definitely was able to explore in the past few years as well different prefectures, but also visiting a lot of artisanal shops.、Mm. Um, and through conversation,、um, you know, what was informed to me was that it is、um, slowly decaying. A lot of people of younger generation want to move out of Japan、mm. or go into big cities. Um, and therefore, there's no one after that to continue their craftsmanship,、right. which is really sad to hear. But you know, it's not only in Japan, it's also、right. globally as well. So,、um, to hear that,、um, you know, it, it kind of made you want to do something for, you know, to flourish that craftsmanship or、right. at least let people know about it.、Mm. Um, because depending on different prefectures, they have a different type of. Craftsmanship that's、uh, catered to that prefecture. Right. And I think, thanks to all this information over the internet, some young generation just go back、mm-hmm. and then take over、yes. something dying,、yes. so、that kind of thing. It's such a precious art. Yes, definitely.、Um, and I guess that connects with Japan Village because we still are in the middle of expanding.、Um, so we have a isekaya、um, and a cocktail bar that will open as well.、Mm. But our second floor is actually、um, a space where we're converting it to something beyond food.、Mm. So, we want to highlight all of these、um, artisans、um, from arts and culture and、um, be able to kind of have a space for them to、mm. kind of ha- help spread the word of their craftsmanship. Oh, that's excellent. Yeah, so we're excited for that. Right. Well,、uh, Please keep me posted. And then, yes, definitely. Yeah, but whoever wants to see all the information about Japan Village, what is the is website? There is a, a website, japanvillagebrooklyn.com.、Mm-hmm. Um, also on Instagram, it's、uh, japanvillagebrooklyn.、Mm. So that would definitely be the best way to receive the most recent updates. Okay, great. That's very exciting. <laughs> yeah.、Uh, so, what is your plan? Well, short time, long term, or personal, or business, or whatever you want. <laughs>、um, I, think my, I think most immediate is to、um, you know, finalize Japan Village first. <laughs> <laughs>、um, and then hopefully、um, you know, spread more awareness, I guess, continue、um, doing what we're hopefully doing, which is to kind of flourish Japanese、uh, food and culture. Um, with others as well, because、mm. it is such a、um, community based、um, hospitality industry.、Right. Um, but yeah, wh- who knows? Who knows what's next?、Mm. Right, that's a, that's a part of fun. Big fun. Yes, yes. Never know. <laughs>、um, okay,、uh, so how do you predict the future of Japanese food in this country? I think it's always going to be evolving.、Um, you know, Tourism to Japan the past 10 years has skyrocketed like no other.、Um, you know, a lot of friends, even around me as well, they've never been to Japan before, but because of the food,、mm-hmm. um, they really rece- you know, were passionate about really just going there as a destination and just eating not only Japanese food, Japan offers amazing Italian food,、mm. French food, it kind of goes beyond. Um, into a whole global、uh, food scale. So,、um, for them to come back from Japan and be like, I had the best pizza in North <laughs> Japan. I heard that. Yeah.、Um, was really、um, nice to hear that、um, mm. th- they appreciated the food culture、right. in Japan. Yeah. And I started to read more、uh, Japan based, non Japanese people's、uh, blogs、mm-hmm. and websites. The detailed reports are just amazing.、Mm. And、uh, yeah. oh, wow, I'm learning a lot from them. Yes, definitely. Right. Yeah, I have to find out where they get that best pizza.、Right. I keep hearing about it. Yeah, no, apparently there are a few. I have yet to check it out. But,、yeah. <laughs> Next trip. <laughs> right. Okay, so,、um, so where can we find,、uh, not 
not just the Japan village, but、mm. uh, any, any updates online? Online? Yeah. Or any. <laughs> I mean, you can go to restaurants. And yeah, I think,、like. um, I think physically、um, going to Japan village or. You know, for me, I'm also kind of roaming around the East Village. so... Okay. Yeah. Well, by the way,、um, your restaurants don't have websites, right? They do not. Majority do not at all. Yeah.、Um, it's always been kind of word of mouth.、Um, I think it is important to start kind of evolving and becoming a little bit more modern and having、um, social media outlets、mm-hmm. and、um, whatnot. But Yeah, it, it's always been word of mouth. Yeah, so I thought it was intentional. So <laughs> exactly.、Um, yeah, all right. So、uh, the Google and the find for where they are. Yes. So that's the best way. Yes. All right. All right. So thank you so much for joining us no, today. Thank you so much for having me. This was so much fun. Yeah, so keep me posted. Yes, I will. I definitely will. <laughs> right. So,、um, so, listeners, if you have any questions or comments about the show or suggestions for show topics or guests, please contact us at japanese at heritageradionetwork.org or akikotema.com. And Japanese is live at 3 p.m. on Mondays and always available at heritageradionetwork.org, iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify as a podcast. Our engineer today is Amanu Wong, and thank you for listening. I'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to learn more about our 10 year anniversary celebration happening all year long, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritage radio network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the food world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the heart at the top right of our homepage. Thank you for listening.